Oscar Poker. from the politically correct uh, commentary about about uh, uh, if you're not on board with the latest you know twist in in the in the PC theology you get murdered uh, you know you cannot right. say it and you're saying that that white people uh, uh, movies are the only ones that that's I don't know if that's true Sasha I, I mean it's, it's uh, pretty true tell me give me an example of one that was think piece to death Okay. Can you well, think of I, any? Yeah, but but uh, okay. All right, you're right. I can't think of a of a white person movie that was think piece to death. But you know, is 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 it ever just the fact that it's very well done by a gifted writer director? Is is that ever figure into things? That um, well done in this case means pretty ordinary and traditional maybe even flat in some cases, perfectly fine, but something you could see on television. Oh boy, Nothing here we go again. Now, now you're about you know? to start in with your thing about how I like the same kind of film all the time. No, I'm not gonna say that. I'm just saying that a lot of times these traditional dramas that we are awarding and praising in three years why, time, why, absolutely why is showing how people actually behave when you step off your internet and go off your Twitter and go out there and talk to people, why is that bad or somehow lagging or something i don't think flat. it's bad it's, it's just we're talking about because when i first started covering the oscars the best picture race wasn't about that it wasn't about the movie that nobody can criticize and now it feels like oh you know as the years have worn on the best picture winner is the movie that people can't criticize rather than the movie that is reaching for something some kind of extraordinary excellence that you don't see every day yeah. and that you don't see every year you know you see once in a while and wow you know that's incredible but it feels like for me like as soon as they went to the preferential ballot and away from the for instance last year the revenant would have won best picture um because of the if it, if it hadn't been for the preferential ballot uh, I think Spotlight's a good movie. I think Spotlight, you know, has no problems as opposed to The Revenant, which does have problems. But The Revenant is a more extraordinary film. It just is. Yeah. I didn't particularly enjoy watching it more, but I recognize it as a more extraordinary achievement than Spotlight. Yeah, it's doing long, something long else. Way. It's doing something. You're right. I, I think it's more daring and more audacious in its scheme and what it attempts. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if that one best picture, that would mean something like that would be, I think, kind of, wow, that's that's an impressive film. And, and, and everybody thought it would. 
because they were looking at it from the point of view of the most films, the most votes pick the winner. But with the preferential ballot, it's not how it works. It's the most divisive films can't win. Mm-hmm. But I have to wonder if, like, great art isn't divisive. Like, isn't it always divisive? Where That's fair. To th- that's mean, a very fair and accurate thing to say. It, it often is divisive. In fact, it may always be divisive. I think you're right. I mean, great art. I'm not talking about good. I'm talking about great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it has to provoke. It has to be... Right. You know, it has to challenge people. It has to upset people. It has to do something other than just, you know, tell tell a really good story. Mm. But I feel like nowadays, any t- that's why it's really hard for films like that to win because we go through this whole process that we're going through now, where everybody nitpicks yeah. all different movies and they start they start cannibalizing them. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. and and eventually you get to the point of like which is the one that hasn't been cannibalized which is the one that everybody can live with and that's fine that has no problems with it that flew under the radar nobody attacked it like Argo nobody could attack Argo yeah uh nobody could really attack Spotlight you know mm-hmm. these movies and then so then they win right. and it's a really strange thing that that's how we choose our best picture winners mm-hmm. now we shift but over all the same that 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 arrival argument I got in on Twitter. I now regret having said a single thing about it. I should have just kept my mouth shut, mm-hmm. let the irritating tweet pass, and never say a single thing about it. Just let it lie. You know what 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 harm does it do to just let it lie? Why do I have to engage with this mm-hmm. thing? You know, like you with that Manchester by the Sea thing. Like you were obviously personally affronted by the fact that he was talking about a common criticism people have with that movie, which is it's too much of a downer. And you've been talking about that since Sundance. You've been saying, why are people calling this movie a downer when it's not a downer? And why can't people step outside that? I need Mm -hmm. to have a happy ending thing. Um, So you saw that. And the same thing that happened to you happened to me with Arrival. And so I acted out and I said something I shouldn't have said Mm -hmm. on Twitter. And then now I'm not even going back on Twitter because I know they're all attacking me. right now what did you say that you should not have said i'm fascinated now what what did you say i don't know just something i shouldn't have said i mean i think i retweeted her tweet and i just said oh for fuck's sake (laughs) see i love that i mean Mm -hmm. you know and i shouldn't have i shouldn't have i should just delete 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 you know i know i really love it when 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 what's when really smart women say oh come on oh for fuck's sake i i I love that there's something i love about that I shouldn't have said it though, because now I can just feel it. You know, you know when you're being attacked on Twitter. I try to avoid it. I just go offline for a while and then come back later when the right. dust has settled. But mm-hmm. rather than sit there and engage with them, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to sit there and waste my Saturday arguing with people about something that means nothing. Yeah. Can we shift so over to what? Is- um, can we shift over to what you told um, Peter Howell the other day? It's in his piece that went up yesterday. Here, here's you're talking about how the disparity between the films that the people in our immediate, uh, you know, uh, journalist blogger realm say, uh, like and prefer and what the average folks uh, out there who pay to see films say, you said, if you ask uh, what you meant to say is non-industry people, regular folks, most won't have seen or even heard of the films that are up for the awards. You actually said that they won't, they, they didn't see them, but they haven't even heard of them. The critics and the Academy tend not to think, about whether the public likes the movie or not. But if you flash back to 2000, 
uh, that mattered a lot. Films were awarded because they were well-reviewed and well-liked. Now it doesn't really seem mm -hmm. to be a requirement, which I guess is good and, and bad. Could you expand upon that just a little bit? Do you really feel that people have not even, do you believe that people haven't even heard of uh, La La Land or, or, or OJ Made in America or L or, you know, those kind of films, you know, you think so? Is that of the course they haven't heard of them. Of course they haven't. They, these movies aren't made for most people. You know, they're made for a very small group of people who, who um, read film reviews but L and write film but, reviews. But, but you know that O.J. Made in America is, is about one of the most fundamental things about life on this planet in this country, which is the way people from the different tribes, black and white tribes, see things. And it, it explains so fully and thoroughly what the whole O.J. Uh, life, his whole path, his his saga, how that reflected upon this disparity between the cultures. It was really something. And if you, unless you're living in I a know, closet, I know. I never said it wasn't. I didn't but you're say telling me that people haven't even heard of it, and they don't even want to watch it. I mean, how far? I don't out know the if they do or not. I don't know about OJ. I'm not talking about the documentary race. The documentary race has never been, you know, but that's, um, but that's, one, of the, that's one of the great documentaries of the, of the century. I mean, you haven't, have you seen it? Well, okay, but you can go all the way back through Oscar history and you can say that about documentaries. It hasn't always been the case with best picture. Best picture used to be more of a populist thing where, um, and again, I say that for better or worse, because the complaint when I first started was that the movies were too mainstream and that they weren't critically acclaimed and that movies like Citizen Kane weren't winning Best Picture because the more popular movie had to win. And so that was a complaint when I first started. But I think that it's gone too far in the other direction where mm -hmm. it's become like the Tonys or um, like the fashion industry where it's so insular that it really has no impact on culture anymore, the Oscars. They don't mean anything. They really are a very small, um, self-congratulatory industry where, I'm not saying this is bad. I'm just saying this is what it is. It is this. Like my daughter, for instance, when she looks at the Oscars, she thinks what all of her friends think, which is it's the Oscar movie. You know, and I read this review of Manchester by the Sea by one of these young people who said basically what my daughter says about the Oscar movie, which is, you know, she's like, I, I, you know, I went to see this movie because I know I'll need to, I'll need to have seen it for the, to watch the Oscars because, you know, people are making a really big deal about this movie and that it's probably going to be in the Oscar. Race, in other words, she's you know? talking so she, about these people that are making a big deal as if they, they floated down from the planet Tralfalmador and they don't really live on the planet exactly. that she does. That's a really b right. bizarre and way of saying it. You know, she's not really, she's not a bizarre really way lived. of saying it. It's the absolute truth. It's the truth. There's a very small group of people, a lot of them young. A lot of my readers are very young and they are interested in this. It's a really small group of people that are, but I'm just saying that it's different from the way the Oscars traditionally were for 80 years. They were, movies that people participated in, that the general public participated in. Every so often you still get a movie like that, like Avatar, um, Gravity, mm -hmm. American Sniper, you know, every so often one of these movies crops up and it's a popular movie and it also gets noticed by, but these are two different worlds we're talking about here, very significantly two different worlds. Because the Academy voters get movies and screeners right from the studios. They read people like us, the strategists thin the pile for them and then they take the pile and they pick which one they like. 
it didn't used to be that way. It used, you know, they do it over Christmas and New Year's. So they're sitting down with their family, they're watching these movies, and they pick the one that they like. But it used to be that movies would get released and people would go, for instance, a movie like Hell or High Water or, um, you know, uh, The Martian or something. I don't know where where it mm-hmm. comes out and people like it and people are talking about it and it mm-hmm. shows up in jokes on Saturday Night Live or, you know, it, it has cultural impact. It's a film that like people go see and they may, it makes a lot of money. And then the Oscar voters go, well, that was a really successful movie. We should acknowledge that. A movie like Aaron Brockovich, for instance, um, back in 2001 mm. or wherever it was. Aaron Brockovich was another one. Like Every so often back then, you'd get one of these little indie movies that no one sees and that the critics love. But it was really rare. Now it's like that's the norm, and the rare one is the public. Oh, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I want to be clear here that I'm not putting any judgment, good or bad, I'm just making an observation about how things are. Hey, by the way, your friend um, uh, Lana, she knows somebody who worked on Miss Sloan, and she went. She she said, "Do you have a screener for it?" And I said, "I don't. I couldn't find it." Uh, but she went down to the ArcLight last night and saw it, and she called me back, and she said, "I don't know what's wrong with you. I loved it. I had a great time with it. I really thought it was a very Aww. satisfying." Uh, uh, you know, a female fantasy, powerful figure who, who yeah, really, you know. And I said, I get that. I get, you know, that's fine. But I, but I just thought. I mean, it was... for for me, that's like a, a it scratches an itch. It's like a fantasy movie. It's a, mm-hmm. it's girl porn for me. It's like it's the kind of movie that I would I love to watch. Right. I love to watch her in the movie. Everything about it is satisfying. Right. You know, we just don't have for women. We don't have a lot of movies like that. Yeah. The you only know? thing the only thing I was saying is that it just you know everything she says is. Uh, is acrid and acidic and cutting and 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 kind of angry and or very angry and or defensive or brittle, you know. And I just, you know, are we all always like that? I mean, did, did, can we breathe a little bit? No, but, we... but we're we're a little bit like that. Yeah, we're a little bit like that right now. Women are feeling a little bit like that. Yeah, we're pissed off. All right. <laughs> we're really, really, really pissed off. So. I think if you're angry, that movie is going to really scratch that itch. You know, okay. if you're like, oh, Trump got elected, isn't America great? You're going to be fine. You're not going to like Miss Sloan. You know, well, I, you're um, one of those people. By the way, Miss Sloan is only playing in four theaters so far. It's um, did a reasonably decent per screen average of 11,000. Or no, no, wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, see, the total was not much, but it's only just beginning, so it's going to expand, and maybe it will tap into something. If it does, I think that's fine. You know, that's good. Nothing wrong with that. Well, you mean you're saying you're saying it's making money? Well, only uh, ninety thousand dollars so far, but it's only playing in four theaters, and this is Saturday. I believe it opened up last night, right? Wasn't that it? So it's doing yeah. well then. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, and they're just giving it a, a chance for people to see it and tell you know get a little word going. So yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of fell flat, right? It it uh, was definitely a, a shortfaller, and people were saying, "Gee, what happened?" And and what was it Owen Gleiberman said that, that Brad Pitt's uh, profile was damaged by the divorce and the allegations of him, him having roughed up his son on the plane. I don't think, I don't know, maybe, but it's, it just seems a little like kind of a stretch. 
uh, it's not a great film, but it's not a bad film. I didn't, I certainly didn't come out of it saying I really disliked it or anything. It was just a, uh, it was a reasonably good, okay, no problem um, film. It's not as good as somebody pointed out, um, a friend pointed out that the English patient was had very similar in some ways and it had much more passion and it was a much higher achievement, um, a, a more, um, yeah. you know, a more Always historic. Always a bummer when a movie like that bombs, you know. Did it bomb financially? Um, it has uh, got about 25, 24 million um, uh -oh. after opening uh, on the, I guess that was, um, now I can't even remember if it was last week or this week. I guess it was last weekend. So it's uh, it's not doing that well for what it cost. It cost like 150. So it's one of those. If it were rules don't Jesus. apply, uh, uh, Warren Beatty would be levitating with happiness. But it's if he if he had 24 million, uh, but it's not. So that's too bad. So rules don't apply. Opened wide and didn't make any money. And I have read on Twitter that they're keeping it in in like 2,000 something theaters. Even yeah, though it's the, not making any money, is that right? According to uh, the box office mojo chart, is they probably have a contractual guarantee that it stays in theaters for a certain amount of time. And the it is now currently, as we speak, in 2,386 theaters. I can assure you, given that its um, grand total of its earnings is since the night before Thanksgiving is two million nine four six, just about $3 million. But the exhibitors out oh. there want nothing more than to kick that movie out of their plexes and stay out because it's, it's not doing anything for them at all. And they're very, you know, they all, they, they freak out right away if a movie's not performing. So it's, um, and they've opened it on smaller platform then like, you know, just three or four theaters and then let people, sort of build word of mouth slowly and yeah that would be the, the strategy that would make sense but you have to ask yourself look at what people were saying in the main they're not saying this is a delightful wonderful great film they're saying it's a mixed bag at best some of it works some of it doesn't some think it's completely a, a calamity and some portion of the audience is uh saying yeah it's pretty good not bad but it's certainly not a word of mouth film it's gonna kind of just sit there that's depressing. I thought that he was really good in it. I'll still, I'll stand by that. I think it was a real one of his best performances. Yeah. I really did think that. Like, I think he's brilliant in it. And, um, you know, I wish that the whole movie had been about him and I didn't really care for the other two characters too much. I mean, yeah. they did, they did a decent job. They tried, you know, with the material, but they're just, they were up against warm baby and he's just more interesting. You know, that's just the fact of it. That's true. That's true. Let's jump into, you know. to hear it from people that read my column, they say, I've dwelled on this thing far too much. And I, what I'd really like to just see happen is that he make another one. And that he supposedly says he wants to make a, <coughs> a Dick Tracy film. I don't think that's going to happen at his, given that his movies are making, losing so much money over the last. Yeah. You know, he's a good director, Warren Beatty. He really is. He's a good director. Um, yeah. And I feel like he's probably a better director than he is a writer, maybe. Mm -hmm. And but I think that he's um, he's mm -hmm. talented. He's a very very talented person. I hope he does more um, acting. Mm -hmm. I hope I see him in front of the camera a lot more because I've forgotten what a powerhouse he is. And and yeah. you don't see that kind of star power right. much in movies anymore. It's very rare that you'll see someone who has that kind of. 
star power. And mm-hmm. so I enjoyed watching him. Right. And I was thrilled by that. And I really wish that um, that I could see him more. I'd like to see more of him and stuff, you know. Let's quickly do uh, the charts I've been putting up. These I've got three of them up so far. One is picture, one is director, and one is actress. Uh, my actor thing is coming up um, imminently. And so my best actress thing uh, I wrote, I basically have uh, the six on the top. I have Emma Stone at top. I have Natalie Portman second, which may be uh, wrong. Maybe that's, that was a little dated, that, that assessment. Followed by Isabel Huppert, who has to be at least at number three, given her wins with the New York Film Critics Circle and the Gothams, although you could say that's just a secular New York thing. Uh, Ruth mm-hmm. Mega is in fourth. I have Annette Benning fifth and Taraj B. Henson in sixth place. Do you have any disputes or comments about Yeah, this? I don't agree with that. I, I think Amy Adams is getting in, so. I really? Think uh, Wait a minute, my, stop. You, you think yeah. Amy Adams is going to win? No, no, I, for nomination. Oh, Are okay. you talking about winning? No, no, go ahead. Let's, let's just talk nomination. Where do you think she ranks Amy Adams in this? Uh, uh, just tell me. Maybe I'm really missing something, so tell me. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's a tough race, for sure. It's a tough race. The best actress is more crowded than it's ever been. Right. But we know that the three locks are Emma Stone, the winner, yeah. Natalie Portman, yeah. Annette Benning. Those are the three locks. And you don't say that who pairs spots... a lock now after those two wins back east? No, I don't. No, okay. I don't think she's a lock, especially considering Elle's subject matter. Okay. So I don't think she's a lock. I think she has a really good chance. I don't think she's a lock. I think okay. that it's possible. Yes, she's like Charlotte Rampling. You know, she's she's could go either way. But I think that. Um, but I do. I mean, if enough buzz continues for her, if they keep pushing her, she could be a threat. You know, she could be a threat to Emma Stone for the win, only because she's such an old timer, and and a lot of these voters remember her from the old days, and they might want to reward her for that. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's possible. Like she, I think that the last three spots are Ruth Nega, yeah. Isabel Huppert, and Amy Adams. And I think two of those three are going to get in. I just don't know who's going to get squeezed out. I don't know. You know what I? What I? What I I'm feeling that may happen. Of those three that you just mentioned, I have a sense that maybe Ruth Nega might get edge out because she's. Um, her performance is touching and moving. I had a very positive reaction to her when I saw this film in Cannes last May. And I said, if anybody's going to get an acting bump out of it, she is, because she's really the, the champ of this film. But there's something right. quiet and subtle and, and, um, un- and you know, she doesn't say a lot in the film. She, it's, it's, she acts with her eyes, all this sadness that she feels, all this oppression in a way, you know, of, of this of the state against her marriage to her husband. So it's not a, I just have a feeling that, you know, the, the um, flamboyant performances always tend to, to do better in some way. They have a hook that you can hang on to and she's playing it very quiet and, and sad. Maybe not. I don't know. I have a, what do you think? Do you see it? I've always felt that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always felt that she was a little too subtle to get in. And then I've always felt she was kind of iffy. Um, But I think that if, if it wasn't such a diverse, slate right now i think that um that people would push for her but god there's so many you know like the viola davis might win and denzel washington might win and moonlight and fences both might get nominated for best picture you're looking at a very diverse 
year. So it's possible um, Ruth Mega um, is out. I do think she's really good and loving, and I think that it's a really good movie, and I think it's going to be up to the publicist to push her as hard as possible and to make her well-known with people. Um, hey, speaking of the... Of black people in in being nominated and and how this is such a completely different uh, atmosphere than during the Oscar so white um, uh, uh, controversy of last year. Uh, uh, you know that that Jeff Schneider and the people at uh, Mashable wrote a piece about how the whole Oscar so white thing has been canceled and there and it's been reversed and and it's really quite the uh, the turnaround. Uh, given all the, the mm-hmm. people, people of color who were in you know positions of nominations, best picture, moonlight, senses, all the rest of it, and right away Twitter jumped on Snyder and the film for saying, "Oh yeah, it's it's cured everything, has it? You're that's kind of flip of you, don't you think? I mean, this is are you saying that the problems that are affecting people of color and people that have that are dealing with 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 you know, not to mention what's what's going to be happening with the horrific." Uh, authoritarian Trump regime. It's going to be, you know, you can't see, you're saying a movie is suddenly, or, or Oscar nominations are suddenly changing the whole picture. I mean, this, I, I my vocabulary doesn't, is not adequate to just, to, to convey the, the loathing I feel for people on Twitter. I, I just go through this every, every day. Well, yeah, and everybody wants to be, everybody wants to preach and be like, you know, lecture everybody else, and everybody else is perfect and pious, and you know, it's so annoying, self righteous, oh, but um, awful. Anyway, I I'm sorry to jump off on Twitter. I just was saying, poor Jeff Schneider. He was saying this is really different. It's a different thing. People did respond. It is it is not that Oscar so white atmosphere at all. And you know, look at this. And 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 he got shit on for it. Did, you have not seen Hidden Figures, by the way. Huh? You have not seen him. Yeah, I figure? saw it. Okay. I so you, figures. what do you feel yeah, about Taraji B. Henson? Uh, you don't think so? I think she's wonderful. Yeah, I think she's really great, and I would love to see her get nominated. I would have no problem with that. I just think that it's going to be a little bit tough to break in um, right now. The best actress race is so crowded. I mean, you, you, we haven't even talked about other people like Meryl Streep, or you know, I mean, oh, that's, that's it's just a happen. really crowded year. Meryl no, Street I know. I agree. Happen. But I'm just saying it's a crowded year. I don't know how you make room. I think that there's a possibility that she could bump Ruth Nega, for instance. Um, that's what I'm thinking is possible. It's possible. Because that's a very likable film. Possible. Yeah. And yeah, it's dealing she's, in the... She's, she's, Go ahead. She's playing somebody really heroic yeah. in the movie, you know, and she's she acts the hell out of it. So. Yeah. Compare that to Ruth Nega, where it's the same subject, it's civil rights, but it's a very subtle performance, you know. Um, she's she, great, though, Ruth Nega. Let's, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I don't think she's fantastic in the movie, and I love the movie. I love Jeff Nichols, and I hope that it does really well. But I do worry that it's not powerhouse enough and she's not a big star right. enough to overcome it, but I feel like the publicists sort of know better about mm-hmm. that than I do. Right. But that would be my, my inclination to think that if, if the voters, especially in SAG, like SAG, yeah. a lot of TV voters there. Yeah. So yeah. that people were making that point that Taraji P. Henson's also really big on TV, so she might do better with SAG um, in terms a, of getting an a nomination. You're, you're talking about Empire, right? Yeah, yeah. Empire. Right. Um, so, you know, no problem with me if she gets in. I just, the way that I would read the Oscar race is that people who are in line sort of stay in line. 
and then and nothing really bumps them out of it. But um, may I say we'll something about how that goes? May I offer a comment about Taraj P. Henson's performance in Hidden Figures? Hmm. Uh, the first of thing, course. That, Go ahead. the first <laughs> thing that you notice, uh, the, the bit of business that she does is when they're changing a, uh, they're fixing the motor in the very beginning of the film, the three of them are on their way to work at what would eventually be, be called NASA, but it wasn't called that back then. And there's something wrong with the engine and, um, uh, you know, and she is sitting in the front seat kind of daydreaming. And they say, you know, turn on the car, turn it off. Let's see if the car works. And she's daydreaming and kind of off in her own realm. I said, that's a good bit because that's what brilliant people are often like. They live in their heads a good part of the time and they kind of disengage. Yeah. You know, that's what's brilliant people like yeah, from Albert Einstein on down. They're all like that. So I said, that's a very good bit. But then they do this thing when she starts being treated uh, disrespectfully. And and being told uh, that that you know what do you why are you taking so long when you go to the bathroom because she has to walk almost a mile to the to the quote unquote colored woman's bathroom at another building and you know she's not saying anything so once that happens she starts adopting this look she starts using this look over and over which is one of kind of shock she's looking through those glasses of hers at oh I'm being you know shocked by everything they're treating me this way they're dumping big files on my desk there um, mm. you know and i just uh, got the feeling this is not uh this is not the way smart people brilliant she's not smart she's brilliant she's a mathematician extraordinaire and this is not the way smart people look at each other they don't look at the world as if they're shocked and disturbed and oh what happened oh i'm almost speechless but you're you know i'm so upset by what you're doing to me or the way you're talking to me they're they're very confident. They know what they know. They're they're like Frank Lloyd Wright. They're they're Pablo Picasso. They 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 have this look in their eyes. They they know what's going on. They might be getting a shitty deal, but they know that they're that they're in possession of an extraordinary, uh, you know, mentality. So I didn't believe but she that, had to but... do she, she had to do two things though. She had mm -hmm. to be both, you know, um, a, a brilliant mathematician who knew what she was doing, and she had to do it through the lens of what women, black women who knew their place, quote unquote, back then would have acted like. So she yeah. had to play a woman who knew what the pretense was, but also share her feelings with the audience about what she was really feeling. That's why I thought it was such a brilliant performance. I was actually taken aback by how brilliant it was. Actually, all three of those women, by the way, I felt this way about, they were all really good. Well, I, but I, that I, was it. Like, she has to go through that lay three different layers before you get to the part that the white characters in the film are seeing. The first layer is, you know, how can I act in such a way that doesn't upset them because I'm not allowed to be here? You know, I'm not allowed to touch this coffee cup. Yeah. And then the second layer is, I'm a math genius and I know this shit. Yeah. And how can I show them that I know it without mm -hmm. overstepping my bounds? And then the third layer is the part that she needs to convey to the audience, which is how she's feeling about all of it. You know, they're not going to, nobody's going to respond to her performance if she's just this, you know, brain with, with eyes or whatever, just keeping it all in. You know, she has to show them how she's feeling for them to relate and respond to how she's feeling.
Well, so I think, I she, I think she's playing to the cheap seats with that, with, with that part of the performance. No yeah, exactly. Or, as you would say, playing to the cheap seats. But you know what? You need to do that sometimes with movies, especially mainstream movies that mainstream audiences are going to be seeing, you know? Like, for I instance, think that, uh, you know... Janelle Monet, who's um, Moonlight, she's also in Hidden Figures. She's got the, the smarts and the brains, and she doesn't do that deer-in-the-headlights look. You know, she's always... In fact, if anything, she's risking getting herself in trouble by being too smart with the cops and with others, you know, but she, I loved her yeah. character better you know, because she's proud of herself. Well, she, she was more, yeah, but she was more modern, you know, mm -hmm. she was a more modern character. The Taraji yeah. P. Henson was more of an old fashioned yeah. traditional woman, right. you know, who was the kind of woman who, you mm -hmm. know, getting engaged by a guy like that was a really big deal. She, she had a specific type of character she was playing. Right. Right. And by the way, that character is very different from Taraji herself. So mm -hmm. it was really good, I thought. I mean, they were what I liked about them was that they weren't a monolith. They mm -hmm. all had their own characters, and yeah. they were all different. Right. And they approached the work differently, and they approached the reactions differently. And, mm -hmm. you know, she was a nerd. Right. And nerds are awkward, you know, yeah. and I thought she conveyed the awkwardness really well. Mm -hmm. And the, the wide-eyed. I think if my daughter was in that situation, my daughter is very, very smart and totally nerdy, plays Dungeons and Dragons. She would be like Taraji P. Henson. She would be deer in headlights. She would be reacting that way because she would be scared. And that's what I liked about her character was that she showed she was scared and she was scared. She had, she was brave and she did what, you know, was required of her, but she was very scared the whole time as anybody would be in that situation unless they were, a ballsy type, which Janelle Monet was, you know. You know, whenever I hear your daughter's um, candid but depressing remarks about Oscar movies and how she doesn't pay any attention to movies <laughs> of quality, I keep saying to myself, you know, she's not a really fully developed person. She's just at the stage where she's at. She's she's very, very gifted, and she, she's obviously got it. She's got X Factor. But I, I think she's going to be a much more intriguing person when she's like 28 or 30 or around there. I think that you, you, I think people in the film industry have to understand that these generations aren't growing up with movies as being their defining life moments the way they were our generations. You know, mm -hmm. her friends and stuff. They she says that every so often they'll get together and they'll see a movie. But the stuff they're jazzed about and excited about and inspired by aren't movies anymore. Especially don't tell not me Oscar it's video games. Movies, Please you know. don't tell me it's video games that jazzes them. No, it's not video games, but I'm just saying, I'm saying, what I'm saying is what you don't see and what a lot of people don't see that are our age is that young people see Oscar movies as one type of movie that they're not interested in. Movies are taking and moving in really strange and different ways, but the Oscar movie isn't. The Oscar movie is stagnating. It has, hasn't evolved for decades. It's exactly the same movie that could have been seen 30, 40 years ago. Nothing has changed. Every so often a new one will come in, like let's say Birdman was innovative. The Revenant was innovative. Gravity Manchester by the Sea yeah. is innovative because it doesn't open up the clouds and give him a happy ending at the end. Now, come on. It doesn't do that. How is that different from Five Easy Pieces or any movie from the Okay, 70s? you're right. It is like Five Easy Pieces. That's true. That's true. I don't want to criticize Manchester by the Sea. I think it's a brilliant movie, and I'm, I'm perfectly fine with the Oscar movie. I'm just saying that for young people, yeah. they, they aren't jazzed about it <laughs> yet. 
Maybe you're right. Maybe when she's 30, she'll be into the Oscar movie. Because you have to get out there and something has to happen. You have to live a little bit. You have to see what happens when things don't work out or how your dreams don't work out or how your friends react. Yeah, but I don't know that they're ever going to be jazzed by what the baby boomer generation thinks of oh, as Come a on, you're film. making this in a generational thing about real life, the way it is when you don't have enough money? I think money? that Oscar voters are baby boomers. Oscar voters are baby boomers, and so the movies that we have to find oh, for, for them that sake. they like every year tends to be the same kind of movie. It's just the fact of the it's matter. It's not the same really kind is. of movie. It's the way it is out there. We're living on a planet. You're a human being, so am I. We have to earn money. We have to make peace with people. We have to have... Uh, certain political skills to get along. We have to do all these things to survive and 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 live and and pay our rent and 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 go to Europe. Or you, you know, this is this is the way it is. It's not some fucking right, fantasy. So in, in... Put it this way. I know, but imagine if you're a group that you know you're way past the whole slavery thing, but you're looking at a film industry where all they seem to really do. I mean, Moonlight is obviously very different from that, but. You know, this is an industry where they can only really interface with black people in terms of civil rights or slavery. Like, it's really hard for them to see anything beyond the, like, you know, middle class white experience. And so I think for young people, that is, to them, a little archaic. It's a little old fashioned. It's a little... But I do think that when she gets older, she'll appreciate Manchester by the Sea, which is a really good movie. But you have to sort of be in touch with that whole grief parenting thing, you know, to really, right. I think, respond to it in a profound way. Like I said, I I'd, lo- I'd, lo- I'd love to get to know Emma a lot better when she's thirty or thirty-five. Then she, then, then she's someone I'll, I would really want to hang out with. But I, but her, her vantage point, man, she's like, whoa, you know, they're they're off in their own little kingdom, you know. I just. Like, you know, that's right. They are. I know, but I'm, I'm listening and I'm, I'm listening to them and I'm, I'm going in. They're the young people, you know, and that yeah. that's, that's where, what their reality is. You know, we grew up, we had certain things that we were interested in that the people that were older than us weren't interested in, you know, I mean, it's just the way it goes. And so I think she's going to really like some of the movies that are up. Um, the funny thing about her though, is that she's just, she's never been really a movie person like some people are both her parents are but she's more of a book person she's more of a reader when i was 15 years old i was watching the best years of our lives and i was saying this is a really good film i didn't have you well i don't in other words a person from trafalgar is what you're saying i'm 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 uh i'm not typical i mean i i think if you know good you are are you are typical you are typical That's the thing is you are typical. You're typical of a certain generation. Oh, you know, the, the, I was calling the Oscar generation. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying, you're suggesting that it's going to all go away and all the, all these, it's all going to be video games. It's all going to be. I don't know. It's all no, be... I hope that it, oh, I, it's God, not going to go away, but it has to evolve. I mean, you can't stagnate. It's ad- adapt or die. Like, I don't know where the future is for movies, but I can tell you one thing. Adapt, what do you mean? Is say, ignore life the way it is when you get off your fucking computer. All right, let's look at it this way. Look at it this way, okay? I I seem to be the only person that really is looking at this very clearly, which is, what are the movies that are um, everybody's talking about this year? In the Oscar race, not outside in the world, but in the Oscar race, it's, Manchester by the Sea, it's La La Land, it's Hell or High Water, um, it's Moonlight, right? Yeah. And then look at the studios that produced a lot of these movies. Not Moonlight, because Fox Search, I mean, distribute these movies. Yeah. So, 
Well, you've got CBS Films, you've got Netflix, you've got, you know, Amazon, Amazon, right? So you've got all these things that are like one step over from VOD, from TV. Most of the kids Emma's age watch movies on their computers or on their phones. They don't go to the theater. And so the future, if you look at it and you put it all together, it's pretty clear, which is Amazon and you know, CBS, they're going to keep innovating and they're going to keep bringing movies like this to people, you mm-hmm. know, the independent, they're going to keep independent film alive. They're going to keep it profitable and they're going to make it readily available for people all over the country, maybe all over the world. Eventually, once they're let out of this, you know, it has to be in a theater thing. But the funny thing is, is that the Oscar dynamic is built around theatrical release. It's built around the studio system. It's built around the very traditional way movies get made and released this year. And nobody's written a story about it. Not Ann Thompson, not you, not Pete Hammond, nobody. This year it's unprecedented. The number of films that are being offered up and being buzzed that might break, finally break that seal of a VOD company getting major motion picture in the best picture race and the front runner is Lionsgate. It's not even a major studio. Like that should freak out the studios that the Oscar race is so far off the track mm-hmm. of what they usually do. You know, we're, you might have Warner brothers might get Sully in, you know, Paramount's going to get maybe a rival fences, you know, yeah. but these other movies that are, you know, La La Land, Lionsgate, Manchester by the Sea, number two, that's mm-hmm. Amazon or Roadside. Yeah. You know, it's both of those things. So you're really seeing a hybrid forming. You're starting to see the beginnings of a mutation that's going to turn into an adaptation that's going to create a new species of film. Yeah. And that film is going to be, that's going to break that wall of it has to be theatrical. People, you know, it's going to be a lot more work for everybody. They're going to be more profitable. People like my daughter will be more included into that group because they're going to be seeing stuff that's given to them on their phones. That's the future. You know, mark my words. That's the way it's going. It's not going to stay the way it used to be because it can't. The market will not let it. Look at this year. This year should tell you where it's all headed. Uh, Can you rephrase that in in 25 words? Because I lost the thread of what you were saying. I'm sorry. I know that you what you're talking about is a new permutation and the way material is going to come to us from different platforms and that the five families yeah. are not involved in making Oscar movies, which they really have been disengaging from that whole thing for the last yes, 15, exactly. 20 years. Yeah. But see, you say it better than I do. That's okay. exactly right. right. You got it right. And they're making money hand over fist, but they're not making those kind of movies that win Oscars. Yeah. Those movies that they're making are like, you know, all these horrible, horrible, horrible superhero movies and sequels yeah. and remakes. And, yeah. you know, that's what people are paying money to see. Why? Why are people paying money to see that? Going to the movies is incredibly expensive. None of us have to worry about that because we get screeners and screenings for free. But if you ever pay to see a movie, you feel it. You know how expensive it is. So why would someone, average working person with not a lot of money, go to the theater? Well, they go to see something spectacular, yeah. right? They go they to want, see something yeah. that they can't see at home, right? They want Why intense stimulation. Go they want to be swept away. They want to be knocked flat. They want to be rolling in the aisles. Right. But they don't want to sit there and settle into and show a little patience with a real people story about real people dealing. That, that, it's that they can No, no, they will. They do, but they do it at home. At home. Yeah. On, a, on Netflix. Right. They do it on Netflix. They mm-hmm. do it on Amazon. They do it on, you know, Hulu. 
Yeah. All these other places that there's endless amounts of en entertainment for them to watch anytime they want. Yeah. And they know that they have to wait a couple of weeks and Manchester by the Sea is going to be on that platform for them to watch. So yeah. what is their incentive to go pay money to see it? Right. You know, so it's interesting, isn't it? Like everything is changing. Mm. And we're in the midst of that change. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this year, I think it's really remarkable to me how many of these movies that are in the race that come from these alternative yeah. Studios, yeah. and I don't know what the how. You know, David Fincher told me that he said that studios don't care anymore really about the Oscar, <laughs> because you know that that to them it's just a it's kind of an ego thing or it's something, a career achievement for certain people, actors and producers and writers, but it doesn't make the studio world go round the way it used to. It's the machismo. The, the machismo uh, mentality is that if you're some you're some kind of weakling if you're interested in 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 you know legendary high-end achievements that'll be remembered by film scholars you know you're you're off on your own little thing you're not in the real world of 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 making the money and upping the stock and bringing in those revenues from all yeah. the platforms and having it i mean i, I was getting i'm really getting sick um uh, listening to the to the, the warner brothers uh, kevin Kevin Sujahara, T-S-U-J-I-H-A-R-A. -A. He's the chairman of Warner Brothers Entertainment. He was talking about mm -hmm. how he felt that he was he was very jazzed and very enthused about about Westworld, which had done as well, you know, pretty well in his in his view, and had the potential to not necessarily be the new Game of Thrones, but had the potential to really get going and expand and develop this even bigger audience. It, you know, it had its its future laid out, and it, in the right hands, it could be something that could go on for four or five seasons. And I just just about mm -hmm. threw up when I heard that because this is to make a a, a series that is basically about enticing you and throwing in this plot line and this who maybe you know what does that actually mean is this happening simultaneously is this yeah. person a, a host of a you know all this after a while you get sick of it you say come on man are you going to do something with this are you going to make yeah it, exactly you know pay off a little right. bit here and it doesn't because it's the idea is to make you watch it until you get sick of it and it's um, yeah. And that's what he exactly. wants to do because that's where guys like Kevin Sujahara are at. They just want to bring in the revenue. They don't give a damn about uh, about structure or good climaxes or anything that the kind of stuff that right. used, used to be uh, you know something that guys like Irving Thalberg used to really worry about. And, and you know they don't give a shit. And it's and it's really disgusting what what the way they think. But it's really it's, it's more and more and still is you know just <laughs> just really measured by profit. And if you go that way, you know, your standards start to lower pretty quickly. But, um, but I mean, we'll see where this all goes. I, I think it's interesting, again, to repeat, nobody has written about this, not you, not Ann Thompson, not anyone, that these movies from these alternative studios are, the do are dominating the Oscar race. I mean, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. Because it's never happened. And in fact... Inside Lewin Davis was CBS Films that didn't even get nominated. Hell or High Water is CBS Films, and it's incredible. It's incredible. How do they ignore this movie? This is such a great movie. It's one of the best movies of the year by far. You're thinking it's, it's being so ignored? Perfect. I'm saying, what if they ignore it because it's CBS Films? Because we've never had one of, you know that, right? You know that we've never had an Amazon or a Netflix or a CBS Films in Best Picture, right? You know that's never happened. 
So yeah, but that's but they're the ones that are making it. the good films, so it, it's going to happen. Obviously. Yeah, so, I know, yeah. but it didn't. Is this a year? So that's news, right? Nobody's writing about it. I think it's interesting. All right. But but it's not just one movie we're talking about. We're talking about at least three, and that's going to change everything if they get in. That is going to change for the Oscars. That's going to change everything for them because it's going to mean that. Just one step away from the television VOD platform, and that the Oscars are tied in with that. And and OJ, by the way, kind of does that too because it's ESPN and it was on television. And and Thirteenth um, is Netflix. I mean, wow, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of changing the way that HBO changed the Emmys. And remember when HBO really changed uh, the awards so that it used to be just the major networks got nominated and win and now major networks hardly ever get in ever you're, what you're saying i just I, I think what just figured a way to, to condense it. it it used to be that the five families made the oscar films then it was the uh the indie theatricals that were making yeah. the oscar mm-hmm. films now it's the digital platforms that are making the oscar films yeah isn't that interesting yeah, but digital good, platforms sure. are the future. They're yeah. the future. So yeah. it's smart for them. This is the only way. This is a survival mechanism. This is right. an adaptation in terms of evolution because right. they can't survive without entering this world. They mm-hmm. simply can't. They can't compete with with the Marvel movies and the you know the, the huge bloated giant super and, and Oscar voters are never going to pick those kind of movies as best right. picture of the year. Right. So it's never going to happen. Yeah. So this is a way this is a happy medium where people, everybody can still get work and everybody can still profit. And it really, if you take away the control of the five families, you can imagine how it really opens things up. Yeah. Uh, by the but way, um, um, there's a lot that we've gotten into, but we're well over an hour now. So let's just zip down to the best picture thing, which I put one up, uh, which is somewhat reflective of what everybody has. If you could just tell me what your where your uh, standings are. I've got right now uh, La La Land on top like everybody else does, uh, although I think it's close with Manchester, but I still think it's on top. I think that Moonline is, is, is third, and I think that Fences is right uh, below Moonline, but I actually honestly truly think that when people start to really settle into Fences, because it's more traditional and it's more... Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a little more familiar and a little less, uh, new, you know, most people don't like something that's too new. They want a little different, but not too new. I think it'll go above moonlight, but so moonlight will be in fourth place, I think. And I think that the fifth place has to be hell or high water. And after that, it, it's, uh, it's hidden figures and, and, and loving and Jackie and, and all the rest of, you know, maybe Marty's film, maybe Sully. What do you think? Uh, I have a different list than you okay. um, because you're a, you're a blue, obliterating Arrival, and I do think it's a fifty fifty shot that Arrival um, gets in, but I think it's strong right now. I, I think any Oscar predictor would be a fool not to include it, but we'll see as it goes along. I don't like um, Arrival. I don't like Arrival, so I'm not going to. I know, it. but okay, fine, but that doesn't mean that your list is accurate. Your list reflects what you like. So here's what a I movie have. that I pissed me off Land. like Arrival did, especially that awful cinematography. 
I, I mean, I, I just couldn't stand it. I couldn't wait for it to be over. And I can't, in all good conscience, I'm like that juror. In, that's in, fine. In, that's know. fine. Okay. So okay. La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, Moonlight, Arrival, yeah. Yeah. Hell or High Water, Hacksaw Ridge, yeah. Sully, Fences, mm -hmm. Loving, and Lion. And I, Silence, I'm waiting to see. But um, but I think, I think that... Uh, Obviously, it's Martin Scorsese, so it probably has a really good shot. But I have to see it first. Um, if if a, if Silence gets in, what would it bump? It would bump. It might bump Arrival because it's Paramount. Um, Paramount has three Fences, Arrival, and Silence. Maybe not all three are getting in. You know, probably not. Hidden Figures. I'm not sure about it for Best Picture okay. because to get in for Best Picture, you know, you have five slots. And you have to be passionate about your number. There has to be enough people in the Academy that are going to pick Hidden Figures as their number one movie for it to get in. It has to be like 300 people in the Academy say, yes, Hidden Figures was my favorite film of the year. And I'm not sure that people are going to do that. And I don't understand why Jackie hasn't gotten, it didn't get a Critics' Choice nomination. It didn't get a, a National Board of Review mention. So I'm not sure what's going on with Jackie, why it's not getting. I thought that it was one of the done deals, but it didn't get any notice. So that's strange. Um, because it's not really a movie that has a lot, you know, by the Howard Hawks rule, uh, three great scenes and no bad ones. Jackie doesn't really have three great scenes. It has one great scene or interesting scene where she tells Jack Valenti that she's going to march no matter what. And then if General de Gaulle wants to protect himself by riding in a tank, she, he's free to do that, but she's going to walk on the That's the only scene that really pops the whole, in the whole thing. The rest of it's on a kind of a subdued but interesting. And, you know, the best thing in, in, in Jackie is, is the score, that wonderful music that um, I hope wins for it's in its category. Do you know the score I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing. These are the two, these are the movies that got noticed by both the Critics' Choice and the National Board of Review. These are the only ones that did. Mm -hmm. La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, Moonlight, Arrival, Hell or High Water, Hacksaw Ridge, and Sully. Yeah. Those are the movies that got noticed by both groups. Um, I don't know what that means. I, you know, Hacksaw Ridge is a toss-up as to whether that's getting it or not. I don't know. I mean, it's got both mentioned, so I have it high on my list, but it's Mel Gibson. It's really violent. I don't know if it's going to go. You know, I could see that bumping. I could see Silence bumping Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, you know, Hacksaw so, Ridge is, is a very well done Mel Gibson film. It's it's, but it's so much of his way of processing things, the way he likes to wallow in horrible violence, and and he's really a, a fetishist in that sense. Mm. But do you, did you really think that if you you know that that element alone makes it kind of questionable as far as whether you think it really captures anything but his own mentality and his own way of seeing things which makes him a strong filmmaker don't get me wrong but i don't i never saw it as being one of the one of the big ones but you did obviously yeah i, I know i don't I, I just think that you can't ignore it when it's been in, mentioned by both groups that makes it well liked so far and the thing is is uh it's a war movie so Heller High Water, Hacksaw Ridge, Sully, um, Patriot's Day, mm -hmm. maybe Manchester by the Sea. These are all movies that like 
the steak eaters like, the guys in the Academy. And they, you know, anybody who's been watching the Oscars for a long time knows that the steak eaters kind of run the show. Oh. So we're not talking about a bunch of women there that vote. So you have to take that into account, that it's a war movie and that the guys are going to maybe go for it. You just have to think about it that way. I have to because I'm a woman, so I have to alter my sensibilities just a little bit when I'm predicting the Oscars. That's why, by the way, I'm a good Oscar predictor, because I do that. I think about how they are going to see it, not necessarily how I'm going to see it. And so I think it has a really good shot for being a war movie. I think that they can't. It's also a World War II movie on top of that. So this group loves World War II movies. It has a good shot. It has a good chance. The only thing that would hold it back is that if they don't like Mel Gibson still. I think it's... Uh, and if they don't... Go ahead. I was just going to say, if they don't like him, they still think of him as a Jew hater or whatever, then, then they're not going to pick pick the movie. You know, but I think it's probably um, a, a good thing. It, uh, it is a good thing on Mel Gibson's part that he seems to have uh, accomplished an image uh, change to some extent. He's no longer, with this film, a pariah figure. He has done his time in the desert. He's... Um, He's done his penance. He's um, he's he's never going to be a different person. He's a Trump supporter and he's a right winger and he's very, but he's uh, but I don't think he's a pariah any longer because of the acclaim or at least the, the respect that this film Hacksaw Ridge has accomplished. Oh, so. he's a, is he a really a Trump supporter? He's been a Republican and a hardcore guy who wears a big white beard. What do you think? I mean, I I I, I don't have him. I don't have a, a transcript of his vote, but I know that that's where he's basically coming from. He's one of the right wing guys in this in this town. So. Oh, well. Anyway, the um, Ann Thompson always says, "How do you build the best picture contender? You do it yeah. branch by branch." I think that um, Hacksaw Ridge is gonna is yeah. gonna do really well with like the tech categories. You know, yeah. the tech guys. Yeah. What Dave Carter called Joe the sound guy. Like, I think <laughs> it's gonna do really well with those people. That's funny. So that that to me is why yeah. I can make an argument for that getting in. That's right. one reason. I don't know that it will. Right. I just have to wait and see, you know. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if it starts showing up at like the Ace Eddie Awards and mm -hmm. you know different places, the Producers Guild and things like that, okay. then you know it's it's got a really good chance. You know, I, I so love the current that we have and we talk and we bounce around from topic to topic, but I just I don't too long. It too, it goes on too long every time, and and it's because. There's a lot of pleasure in talking to you. So I, I've always had a good oh, okay. I, you know. Let me end with something um, that was said uh, uh, two days ago, three days ago uh, in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, a Democratic congressperson, Jamie Raskin, I, I've already posted this, but quote, we will not let a cabinet of robber barons and white nationalists destroy everything the civilizing movements of the last century have created. We can make or allow a prepped out Harvard Business School neo-Nazi, referring to Bannon, strategize us into becoming Germany in 1933. They can make an oh. anti-public school activist, her name is Betsy DeVos, the Secretary of Education. They can make the demonstrably racist Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General of the United States of America. But my friends, we are still here. They can put Goldman Sachs in charge of the Treasury Department, you know, the guy who was one of the um, uh, rules on applied producers is going to be the Treasury Department uh, head. Uh, but we are still here. We can, they can try to dismantle the EPA, but we are still here. They can put a fox in charge of every hen house. They can put the Joker, the Riddler, and the Penguin in charge of Gotham City, but we are still here and we're not going anywhere. 
Now, those are very inspiring words. Certainly the, the, the most inspiring. I really words. like that. Will you send that to me? I want to post that. I, I love it. Sure. And I feel like I've been doing a lot of fighting, infighting with Democrats, but I feel like now is the time we need to stop fighting and just come together and, and start fighting the, the uh, yeah. and join the resistance, really, because it's... Um, I, I feel the most betrayed by and punked by Bannon and those guys. I just, that was the one, I saw a lot of this race coming and I saw how it was going. And I saw we were divided and that we couldn't win if we were divided, but I didn't see Steve Bannon coming. I did not see that. I did not know he was, he was planting fake stories and manipulating liberals and doing all this stuff behind the scenes to the point where by the end of the election, all the Trump supporters, 100% did not trust the press. They didn't trust the press. Mm -hmm. they, they, now they've got Bannon and Trump have convinced them that the press is lying to them and that the only people that they should listen to is Fox News and Trump and those guys. Like, I didn't see it coming. Not to mention the, the fake the fake news generators, um, Sasha. The, the fake news from the right is as much of a factor as Fox News as any other news source. And they are competing for the dumb people who don't want to know the truth. They want to know what they want to know. So there's fake news out there that is, it's an industry. It's not just a, a trend. It's an industry. No, I know. But it was it was very carefully, very well orchestrated. And, yeah. and I feel like he was very much flying under the radar. Mm -hmm. And nobody was, was paying any attention. And they, they even said that. The Republicans said that their strategy was to work these back channels so that nobody know, knew what they were doing. And nobody noticed what they were doing. And they absolutely succeeded in that. Yeah, And so... Fuck it. We have to be smarter now. We have to start changing things big time. Oh, horrible. There's never been anything. It's <sighs> been this is this is in a in a sense worse than 9/11 in, in a political sense because 9/11 at least there was unity and everybody felt the same way, which was of course exploited by the Bush administration. But that was something that was recoverable from because it was a specific horrific event that happened once to 3,000 people and, and all of us in a sense, but at least it was this one thing. This is far more pernicious and far more, far more whites, widespread. It's devastating. It's devastating. People, I don't even think people realize just how devastating it is, what what just happened, that, that the right wing has gotten, they've always been in power. They were in power when Bill Clinton was president. They were in power when Carter was president. They were in power when Obama was president. They mm -hmm. blocked him. But now they've got more power than they've ever had. They have all three branches. The yeah. senators have enough to block them, though. That, yeah. that I found out last night, and that I'm really happy about, because they will block them. They're going to be obstructionists every step of the way. And so I totally am behind them on that. And that's it's, great to hear. By the way, today so, is, the, is the one last thing. Today is the 3rd of December. This is the one day that if Obama had any kind of combative blood in him, he could put Merrick Garland into the Supreme Court as an and, and install him. He won't. He won't. He could he do it though. He won't do it though. But why? Because he wants to be a I, nice guy with these people. Why not? Obama has always had that. He's always had that um, Abraham Lincoln, Ronald Reagan thing of wants to be liked by both parties. He's never played the game that the Republicans played with him, where they obstructed him. They Trump, when Trump referred to President Obama, he did it in quotes, President Obama. Yeah. Like they treat him with such disrespect, but he's never done that. He's never matched them. He's never, and I would love it if he did it, but mm -hmm. I think that it would cause a lot more trouble for the Democrats because we're not in power. 
we are not in power. They are in power. So now we have to be a lot smarter about how we attack. And I don't think that would be a good move for President Obama. What, because actually, it would get them it, angry? Yeah. I think it would get them more angry. It would be kicking up a hornet's nest. I think it would oh, be big is, trouble. Is, I think uh, they, getting them angry is mother's milk. They're, these are monsters. These are not people. These are not human beings. These yeah, are but people they just who are looking to, to murder the, the planet. They don't we care. had a chance. I know, but we had a chance to win the election, and we fucked it up. We didn't. We lost. We lost. Okay, so it's our fault. So now we've lost the election. That's just the end of it. So he can't go and reach over power like that. He can't do it. It's not. It's not right. The, the new administration won, and the new administration's coming in. Ellen, and that's they, just they, the didn't, end of it. they deliberately didn't vote on Garland or anybody, and they kept the Supreme Court. Yeah, they're horrible. They're, they're horrible people. And they absolutely broke with history, but Obama's not, not like that. He's not that guy. He's not a horrible monster like they are. He believes it's in the not system. A, it's, he's completely within, within his right to, to put Merrick Garland. And I wish he would do it, too, just to say fuck you to those people. I wish he would, but I, I understand why he won't. Okay. But you know what? He'll go down in history really well, and they won't. They'll go down in history as assholes, and, and Obama will go down in history as a, as a proud hero. Um, so that's important, and that's a good thing. Well, well oh, I can't even talk about it without getting upset. All right. All right, listen, it's been really great talking to you, and, I'll, and send me that file, and I'll try to see what I can do with it. Okay, have a good weekend. And I'll, okay. Will you be at the uh, Scorsese thing tomorrow at the American Cinematheque? Yeah. that? Okay. I'll be there. All right, I'll see you there. Okay. You've been listening to Oscar Poker with Hollywood Elsewhere's Jeffrey Tell Wells and AwardsDaily.com, Sasha Stone. To the, river. the two bumper songs were from Leonard Cohen, Dearly Departed, Waiting for the Miracle to Come, and Amen. Thanks Tell for me listening. again, we're alone, and I'm, I'm listening, listening so hard that it hurts. Tell me again when I'm clean and I'm sober. Tell me again when I've seen through the horror. Tell me again, tell me over and over. Tell me that you want me then. Amen. Tell me that you love
Tell me again when I'm clean. 